welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. This is the Denmark versus Northern Ireland preview taking place on Friday night. I'm Andy Bell, joined by Dave Dunning and Ben Harshaw. And we've no interviews or anything at this point, so we're just going to get straight in and talk about the game. And Ben, I'll start with you. After the Finland game, certainly I was very despondent and in a way sort of felt like qualification might have gone on that night, even though that's sort of ridiculous to say mathematically, there's still so many ways that we can pick up points in that group, but it just felt especially against Finland and Slovenia, which I felt were our, our two main rivals for that second spot to lose at home to one of them makes it a real uphill battle, but we are where we are. We've got three points out of six, but it feels like over these next two, I think we need to take four points if we have we have any chance at all and before we even get into the um into the the real the realism of that and whether it's possible do you think four points is a bare minimum that we need at this point yeah i do i really do um i think it was such a blow to lose especially obviously with it being at home you, really we, we need to be beating the teams around us at home and trying to take something away from them um, and obviously we failed to do that, which makes going to Finland even harder. Um, not not completely impossible for us to get something there if we get a bit of consistency. Um, but I think four points is a minimum, not only because of our own results, but I think how Savini have started as well. Um, and then also if we're expecting Denmark, of course, to run away with a group. And then, of course, they have the surprise defeat in the last, uh, in the last round of fixtures, which sort of makes the whole group itself that little bit tighter. Um, and you know, means it, it almost makes that home defeat even bigger than it, than it was at the time. Dave, the, the Finland game, we, we've been over it and we've done the podcast on it and people can go back and listen. Obviously, you were at the game and um, it felt to me that even though that was possibly one of the worst Northern Ireland home performances I've seen and it, it was up there with, with some of the poor performances we had under Barraclough, we were still ultimately unlucky to come away without um without a point there like we had our chances in the end and we grafted um and limited finland to quite a lot and in the context of this group i sort of feel that although it's a very weak northern ireland side and a very weak northern ireland squad at the minute i don't think finland or slovenia are that much better than us i think they are better but not by a, a massive gulf and if we can pick up the points against them and and you know get the odd win here and there then we could be there or thereabouts but it's a mammoth task to have to go to, to Denmark and get a point. You know, you look at their squad, so many Premier League players, so many names that, that stand out. Um, and it's ultimately a decent level Premier League team against a low level championship team. Um, but if that happens in the FA Cup, we, you know, you can sometimes see the championship team get a replay or draw after 90 minutes. So that's what we have to hope for. Do you think it's in any way possible to expect or even hope for anything from this game? Yeah, I think I've gone on record to say I don't think Denmark are very good. So, so I'm going to have to stand by that and say that, yeah, it, it is possible. You know, Kazakhstan, the three-way two-goal lead against Kazakhstan is not what happened. Yeah. We were 2-0 up. So, and I think, you're right, there's a lot of lot of familiar names here, a lot of players that you'll recognise from certainly Premier League and, and, and beyond, but it is a bit of an 18 squad with your, you know, Kjars and Ericsons and Hoybergs and who else is in there? Like Schmeichel, Kier. Um, 
Yeah, you've got like Yusuf Poulsen at, at Leipzig, a good player. Braithwaite's played at Barcelona. They're um, both in their 30s, I'm sure, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think it is an aging squad, but I'm interested in where, where you get this idea because you're very into this idea that they're not very good. But like, apart from that World Cup group, which ultimately is one or two bad games, like they still give France a really, really good game in that group stage. Apart from that, like their their record and and qualifying and things has been almost immaculate. They lost three two to Kazakhstan. <laughs> I could just keep going back to that, do you know? So that on the back of their World Cup performance suggests to me that you know there are issues within that team. No, there are issues within our own team, and probably bigger issues than Denmark have. And the biggest one is that. The biggest one is, is is the quality of the the playing staff and the injury absentees, and we look really light at centre half at the minute. Um, to the point where I'm thinking, does he maybe even go four four two? Um, I'm not sure if he would be comfortable playing three centre halves, although as much as he might want to, I'm going to have to wait and see. But yeah, I think if we can, if we can get legs under the pitch and get in and around them um, and make life hard for them um, and just try and try and get on top of them with some energy and you know again this is probably a game where you'd love to see the likes of Washington or McGuinness and certainly a Fitchie and Lavery you know running around harrying harassing players trying to grind them down but you know we are where we are but yeah it's certainly not beyond the realms of possibilities and I think these are the sorts of games that O'Neill really relishes Ben, if there is a good time to play Denmark away in the context of the group, it probably is after a really long, congested season where their entire squad has been to Qatar and back in the middle of it, while pretty much all of our squad has had a had a break in the middle. Now, you obviously factor in a lot of our players are playing in the in the football league, um, so there's six or seven extra games for them already, so maybe that'll just even itself out. But I feel like if we're going to catch them cold, it's it's probably not the worst time to play them, you know. Everyone's had a couple of weeks off, two, three weeks off pretty much since the, the league season finished now. Um, of course, that's the same for our players, but I'm not sure whether that could be a little bit of a leveler for us. Um, yeah, don't know what you think. Yeah, I think we said whenever the draw was made that, that this is precisely when we want we'd want to play them. Um so yeah, I think it does. I think when they have players that are at a certain level that is above ours, honestly. Um I think anything that can kind of catch them a little bit raw or or, or off their game a little bit more um, will play into our favour. There's there's no doubt about that. I know obviously we're coming at the same point of view as you say we haven't played, but um, you know I, I feel like it is the best time. I don't feel that it's you know impossible to get you know for us to get go go out there and get a point. Um, I think one one of the important things is. You know, taking the game to them to a certain extent. Obviously, we've got to be defensively organised. Um, but I think I think what Dave was saying there with having the likes, of, obviously, we'd love to have Connor Washington and stuff running at them and 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 things. I think those type of players, Connor Bradley, running with the ball and being able to take the ball. Um, it can't it can't just be a job of clearing it back to them, back to them, back to them. You know, otherwise, you know, we we will will be on the you know hiding to nothing. Um, so. 
I think it's important that we have players players in there that are willing to take the ball and are, are, are willing to give them something to think about. And and one thing for Shane Lavery um, as well, you know, is he doesn't give you a minute. He doesn't give you any time. I would say Connor Washington the same. Obviously, he's not available. But, you know, get, making them not have the time to settle into the game is, is very, very important so that, so that they're not able to sort of relax, you know, set the tone early on in the game and and, and, re- and realise that we do have pace and we do have something that can, can hit them on the counter. Yeah, we definitely need to carry a thread, I think. As you say, if, if we keep lumping the ball, it's, gonna, it's just going to keep coming back and back and back. And they do have the quality. You know, you can pack everyone into the box and, and you know, park the bus for 90 minutes, but Premier League players against our players will create chances. And then you're relying on luck at that point with without any threats. Um, we will come on to talk about Northern Ireland a little bit more. Um, Dave, there, there is one player I think it's remiss of us not to mention, and like, it always absolutely devastates me when a young player is just churned out for a nation like this, um, scoring goals left, right and centre at club level, at international level, and we can just never seem to, to find that. You know, we've not really had that for 30, 40 years. Even David Healy wasn't scoring at club level, Kyle Lafferty the same, but... Rasmus Hoyland, from what I've seen of him, uh, sounds like Holland, and by the looks of things in this qualifying campaign, is scoring at the rate of of, of Holland as well. Five goals in two games, um, you know, sixteen goals I think this season in in Serie A for Atalanta, uh, or sixteen goals across the season possibly. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure exactly what age he is. But young player scoring loads of goals, and I think that's possibly why we need to carry a thread as well because somebody who's as on fire as that will back himself at home to Northern Ireland to score another couple of goals. He'd be looking at those records, the, the Healy and the Lewandowski's, and he'd be eyeing up this game, licking his lips. And I feel like if we if we invite pressure on players like that around him and somebody who's on fire will will get chances and and, and will score. So yeah, it, it definitely is important that we're we're we have a plan for breaking on them and a plan for for the counterattack as much as anything else. Yeah, we've got to the 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 lad is a handful, there's no doubt about it. Um it's two games, you know, you can read a lot into that. 16 goals at Atalanta is nothing to be sniffed at, but if you're going to score goals at any Serie A club, it's probably going to be Atalanta, right? Um, because they do historically just score lots and lots of goals every season. Um, so, yeah, we've got to be wary, obviously. Um, and they have you know, excellent playmakers in there. Ericsson particularly, great set piece delivery as well, which we've got to be really, really wary of. Um, so yeah, aids inside, good at set pieces, have a big lad that's just had a patch of form that might be able to stick the ball in the net. And uh, they're big and they're tall, they're good from set pieces. This kind of sounds like what we used to be. Yeah, that, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, yes, just on, on on paper, Ben, the 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 best team in this group, the players they have, they they are the best team in this group, and you know, almost you we would have said at the start of things if they'd cleaned up and and beaten everyone and just made it into sort of a mini league between us, Finland and Slovenia, um, maybe we're being a little bit optimistic with that. Then then I would have taken that, but it feels like obviously having. Being beaten like by Finland, we have to take something from these Denmark games and how realistic that is. Well, we'll have to see how we start on Friday night and see where we're at. On the thing about breaking with pace and having pace and scaring them in behind, it's it's interesting because for me right now, Lavery and Dion Charles would be my front two, regardless of who's available, even if Connor and Josh were in the squad. 
not sure that would be the front two, but it would be the front two I would pick. I think it is going to be the front two on, on Friday night, but there's a little bit of a concern with, with Lavery. Obviously, he's been injured for a lot of the second half of this season. Never really seems to have recovered from that injury he picked up a year and a half ago, which was such a shame because he was double figures in the championship, which we haven't had in so, so long. Um, and I hope he can get back to that level and you know, only time will tell, I suppose. But for me, if he's only come back on the last day and played 20 minutes, no matter the fact that it's been three weeks in that since last last day, he's only got 20 minutes in his legs and match fitness. And I think we're probably being a little bit optimistic if we think we're getting anything more than 60 minutes out of Lavery on Friday night. Um, and then you look to your bench and you want to bring on that McGuinness with the tired legs or you want to bring that on. You want to bring on that Washington to run in behind. And we've really not got a lot there. So inevitably when we have to, to hook Lavery off a little bit early, is it Gavin White who has to come on and, and provide the pace or have you got your eye on anyone else in, in those attackers? Obviously a couple of new names in the squad. Well, I'm hoping that when we're by 60 minutes, we're taking them off for 3-0 up and then we can sort of go a bit more defensive in midfield. But, you know, I'll not hold my breath on that. Um, you know, Gavin White wouldn't be the worst in there to sort of be, to give you the legs, to give you... He hasn't had the greatest season either. We're playing a whole lot of football. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it would certainly it would certainly do a job, and a similar job to to uh, Lavery. Um, I agree with what you were saying. I hope, hope Lavery now... If he, if he stays with Blackpool when they've gone down, can sort of find his feet again. He didn't seem to recover from that injury, and um, it's a shame for him and for us. Um, but yeah, I, it, it is completely unrealistic to think that you're going to get more than certainly 70 minutes out of him. Um, the fact that we've had a couple of training camps with Michael, I'm hoping you know we've been able to get a bit more um, sharpness into him um, and, and the other players as well. But uh, I think I think you know. Conor McManaman could do a job there as well, a similar job. Um, you know, he, he doesn't generally play through the middle, um, but we'll we'll certainly work hard. We'll 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 you know harry and chase down in in a similar way to what Lavery can do. So if we want like for like, um, then then we do have options. They're not necessary. I would love to be bringing on a Conor Washington at that stage, um, which which keeps saying, but you know he's he's not there. Um, but I, it, it it all depends at the, at the end of the day if that if that isn't working the style of having you know having those two maybe we'll want someone something a little bit different. Um, and I, you know I. I'm not totally against the idea of, of giving bonus a chance there. He'll hold the ball up. You know, he's strong. Um, so if we were looking for something something different at that stage of the game, I wouldn't be starting him. Um, but if we were looking for something different, you know, in, in terms of holding the ball, you know, releasing a bit of pressure and then potentially, you know, allowing the midfield to get it, get into, into the game and get beyond a wee bit more, you know, maybe I'm being overly optimistic to think that we'll be, our midfield will be leaving our own half. But, um, I think it's important that, that we we certainly have those ideas anyway. Um, so he 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 would provide different different options um, as would Taylor Dale Taylor as well. Um, you know we're not blessed. When when's the last time we have been blessed with goals? But you know we, we we've got to we've got to try these things. These guys are in the squad, and if they're in the squad, um, having had the training camps in front of Michael, he's obviously felt that at this you know they're good enough. Obviously. It's questionable if certain other players were fit, whether whether maybe they would be. But you know, you never know. You give them the opportunity, and you know, you might find a goal from somewhere. The Irish League stuff is interesting because in his first stint, Michael didn't touch the Irish League more or less, did he? I think he actually sort of. I don't think he had to though. Um... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? But he was out. He was he he was quite vocal, Dave, about how he he wouldn't be picking Irish League players he needs. They need to be playing at that level. He made an exception for Lavery, but Lavery had proved himself in, in the European qualifiers at that point. Um, 
And then obviously there's this Paul Smith thing where he, he seems to think because he's playing in League Two, he can't um he can't be called up. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a wee bit more going on there that we don't know about. But then Gal Galbraith was in League Two and well, then that's and, it as well. You know, yeah. he's in the squad, yeah. So and and there's a player who's more or less Callum Marshall's only really played for West Ham under 18s, albeit he's an incredible goal scoring record. We can't be saying that that level's anywhere near League Two, surely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where that's at exactly. But, Dave, you mentioned the the midfield there. And I think the midfield was the, the real sticking point against against Finland. I thought they were, they were absolutely shocking, especially McNair and Thompson, to be honest with you. Shea Charles gets a pass um, because of his age and his inexperience. But I, I thought those two actually decent on the yeah. night. And he, he was brilliant in San Marino as well. Obviously, all the obvious caveats, but it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because the only change he makes is he, I think he brings Thompson in for Savile, or is it Thompson in for McNair from San Marino? Um, Thompson in, sorry, Thompson in for Savile. Yeah, Savile doesn't play Finland, which just seemed a little bit odd to me. Um, but Best when you go, Thompson and replace them, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not a fan, but as a, I know he's he's not going to be in in your ideal midfield, Jordan Thompson. But if we go to Denmark, we're not stupid. We know we're not going to have loads of the ball. And when we do have it, we're going to try and need to keep a hold of it. So what's the balance between, like, your Shea Charles's, you know, somebody who can get in the ball, can find a pass, can take the sting out of it? Or do you just go for sort of three grass grafters in there, get them running, get them harrying, and, um, and, and see what we can get? Yeah, I, that's what I think you do. Um, it's probably not what... Need will do. It felt very like Thompson had additional responsibility um, to kind of pass instructions to the rest of the players. Obviously, from his time with him at Stoke, he's going to be the guy that understands what he wants to do better than anybody else in that squad, probably at the moment. And it looked like he was, there was a lot of shouting, a lot of arm waving and pointing and things like that. But ultimately, his performance didn't doesn't warrant um, in keeping his place, I don't think. And if I'm looking at that, I'm probably going, I don't, I don't know, McCann, Charles, Saville, if it's a three, maybe. And would that be McNair in your back three, or would you be dropping one? If back three, McNair, I think, should be the third centre half. Um, it, 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 at some point we're just going to have to talk about McNair as a centre half because he's been playing there for club level for three or four years in a row you know are we really going to get much out of him if we keep playing him in, in midfield here he's not getting any practice at it yeah and this is a very very different position it's 15 yards further up the pitch like, but it's a very very different position um, so no I don't think I don't think that probably will serve us best um but yeah, the, listen. There's not a lot of goals or creativity with that with that midfield. There's just not. So yeah, I think you, you've got to get boys who have the legs get in and around the legs of Eriks and make it difficult for them. Not give them time to be able to pick the passes and and break us down and dictate the play. And and hopefully, if we can do that, make the ball, it'll give us an opportunity to try and get him behind with maybe a bit of that pace. Maybe Lavery, maybe White. Don't know whether this young fella is fast or tall or small or couldn't pick him out of a one-man lineup. Um, I can't even remember his name now, to be honest. So, yeah, I think you've I think you've got to do that. Um, but the other thing there is, 
It's a very small midfield as well. There's not a lot of height in there. There's not masses of physicality either, although Charles is a, looks like he's filled out a bit. He's not particularly tall. No. Um, Saville is not tall. Yeah, um, we, we've talked about this before. It's probably because yeah. he's alongside these these other midfielders who are yeah. smaller. Like Saville's yeah. only 5'10". I thought he was 6'2 or, or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then Ali McCann is, like, minute. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I, 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 there, there is Thompson. You know, stylistically, I guess should be the guy that should bring the creativity. Um, and you know, he likes to try and play the killer ball and the killer pass, which is ideally what we probably need if we we're going to try and get in behind a team that's going to hold the ball, going to play high up the pitch, don't have masses of pace at the back, and that's your way home, I think. But yeah, you know, I, I just don't see. I don't see Thompson do that often enough. And I think the deficiencies in this game make it more difficult for us to be solid in the middle of the pitch. We talk about Thompson as this guy who has a great delivery or can play the killer pass, but he's no goals, no assists this season. And I know that's not the only metric you can judge the creativity of a player by, but Ali McCann's the same. Shea Charles. McCann was out for a lot of the season. He was. But you don't you you don't rely on McCann for a goal or an assist either. No. Same with Steve Davis. Same with Paddy McNair. Same with George Savos. Was McNair when he's playing midfield? You know he's probably your best shout. We don't know what type of midfielder Shea Charles is going to be yet. He seems to be able, be able to play as a six and an eight and be tidy. But is he going to get us a goal? I don't think so. And then the rest, your prices, your gosses, Galbraiths, your Paddy Lanes. This is a midfielder. They're not. They're not going to see many minutes never mind get many chances in front of goal so I, I think that what you raise there is actually quite a big concern the height of the team is not something I'd really thought of before and you know it always like for example obviously TFL Liverpool fans I always remember Jurgen Klopp said he never played Minamino because of the height from defensive set pieces and it's something we don't really consider um when when they're picking you know two center forwards is actually one of these is going to be back from corners in this and you know you mentioned that um that Denmark is strong from set pieces and if our midfield sort of all five foot ten and under our two strikers are Lafferty and Dion Charles you know with Connor Bradley and Jamal Lewis in there all of a sudden set pieces become a major concern um but yeah I'm not I'm not quite sure Ben the right hand side of center back positions an interesting one because I think there's a well whether it's the right hand side of centre back or or otherwise, I think it's it's interesting as to who plays there because Dave mentions McNair and you know I'm slightly concerned even though McNair did play the two games in midfield in March, I'm slightly concerned as to whether he can play there having not played there at a club level and ideally he is your best third centre back and can kind of do that overlapping thing that he does. But away to Denmark. I think Tri Hume's got a shout playing in that in that position as well. <laughs> Dave's screwing his face up because he played for Linfield, presumably. No, but... I just I just feel like although we're not quite sure what McNair is, he's actually probably our best centre half on in that squad. Yeah. Sorry, I said second best, right? But then you know, Evans could break down after 30 seconds. Yeah, he could. He could. It's... Well, you're probably looking at McNair as as your best centre half. He's your first centre half. On the team sheet, but it's at some point we have to have a look at Try Human. Say he's 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 playing regularly second half of the season for Sunderland, one of their best players. Um, for a team who were you know a goal away from making the playoff final, scored in the playoff semi final, and 
it's this thing, Ben, isn't it? Of how do you fit Bradley and Hume into the same team? And you know, Bradley's made that right wing back position his own. Hume's a little bit more defensive and has played a little bit of centre half for Sunderland this season. So I wonder, will he go for that more defensive type of player? Obviously, I think McNair plays somewhere in this team, you know, whether that's midfield or or centre half, but Hume's kind of emergence in the second half of this season may make him have a think about that. And um you know, it, I don't know. The balance of it feels right on paper if we play him there. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually plays there for me um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, the first reason is I, I agree with with what you're saying in terms of McNair needing to be centre half and playing there for club. Um, but I think that you know, I, I understand that it's hard to go from playing there to club to playing international. But like, you know, we're looking at we're playing Jamal Lewis at left back who doesn't play anywhere. Um, so, you know, he, he's ahead of him in terms of he's actually on a football pitch. Um, and I feel that with what's missing in our midfield, um, I feel like McNair needs to be in there from a from an experience point of view, um, from, from a strength. Now, I, I have to say, McNair, I thought Finland was probably McNair's worst game that I've seen him have for Northern Ireland anyway. Um, and, and I'm a big, big fan of his, but, but I still feel like we need him in there. Um, I think that given given that we're limited in our options in both midfield and, and centre defence, um, the fact that Trey Hume can play there is good. Um, you know, we, we, it's typical Northern Ireland that we, we, we're looking for players and then suddenly we've got two young ones that come along can both play brilliant at right back or right wing back. Um, but the fact that Trey can play in, in the centre is good. I watched him play in the, in the playoffs um, for Sunderland and he played centre back. Um, you know, and... and Particularly in the first game, played well, um, scored the winner, um, which is something from set pieces that we, you know, we haven't been scoring enough goals either. Um, so, so can give you an, give you an opportunity there. But I think he's perfect to slot in on that right hand side. Um, so, so for me, for me, I would have been playing him there. I can understand if you go for the track tested trio of Karen Brown, Johnny Evans, um, and, and Craig Cathcart. But then, as Dave says, you know, you know, Johnny could, Johnny could break down after 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So for me, I almost want the Karen Brown or somebody that's on the bench that that if that happens, we can we can do that. And then you're not, if you've started McNair in the midfield, you're not changing the entire team. Um, you're able to just make a, a straight straight swap and not having to go right, you're coming out of midfield, you're going in there. And then, and then it just, it, 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 it breaks down the whole tactical plan for the game as opposed to just making a simple, simple swap. So I, uh, you know, I feel this campaign now. I feel that it was always going to be, if I'm honest, about transitioning and 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 giving a chance and experimenting and trying things out. It's a shame, given the fact that it is a group that we could have achieved something had we been in a better position. But we are where we are, so I feel it maybe trying the likes of this because Joey Evans isn't going to be around forever. Um, Connor Bradley and Trey Hume are, are both ideally going to be around for the next 10, 15 years for Northern Ireland, and. To be able to fit them both into a team is is a good thing. So so why not try it now? Yeah, the the other option is I suppose Kieran Brown, Dave, who to be fair isn't the most fashionable centre half or left hand side centre half in the world. Um, yeah, he's limited, but I think at um, at international level he's come in at times in like the Switzerland home game. I think he comes in, plays very well, steps up, and there's there's a step. He hasn't let us down. There is a stepping up argument, isn't there, Dave, at this point? Because, you know, we are going to feel a very young and inexperienced team here. And we've mentioned before about whether do you give Barclough credit for bringing certain players through. I know Ben will certainly say no. But the likes of Connor Bradley, 
has to step up now. He can't be the he can't be the young lad who you know we give the chances to, or he, he can't be. I don't know. We'll let him off with that because he's young. I think at this point he's going to have to come in. He's got a full season under his belt at League One level. He then has to step up and be kind of that bridge between your really young lads in the squad and the experienced ones now. And that's not really fair on him, but it's just the situation we're in. And Kieran Brown's the same. Kieran Brown must have, you know, twenty odd international caps by now. Never really let us down. Looks limited. Looks like a bomb scare ready to happen, but never really let us down. And I wonder, you know, as much as I'd probably rather see Hume in the back three, I wonder will Michael opt for a little bit more experience and a little bit more caution. It wouldn't be unlike him. Don't know. I feel like if he's going three at the back, Kieran Brown makes sense to play that left centre half position. Uh, it's you talked about balance earlier on, and I think it, it does. Um and yes, he's kicking and headed and he's a bit last ditch, but as Ben says, you know, he's he's been solid enough. He hasn't really been at the scene of the crime for anything, and there's not a lot of players that Northern Ireland squad that you can say that about over the last kind of 18 months. So yeah. I'm okay with that. Connor Bradley is um, just about to turn 20, I think. Um, so, yeah, and maybe it is unfair, but ultimately I think not just for us, but for his own career, he and I has to start to take a more, you know, some more senior responsibility in a squad that is young. You already has got a full season under his belt. He should be feeling great about himself. He's performed really, really well all season. He's got decent numbers for a kid his age. Yes, okay, it's League One, but Bolton had a good year. He's got his mate there, Dion Charles, um, that, you know, you know, hopefully there's a little bit of understanding there. If you're going to play 3-5-2, they're doing very similar things for us that they do for their club. So, yeah, and and essentially, Connor, Brad- Connor Bradley is a Liverpool player. Um, he is that highly rated um, and yeah I think from from an energy perspective from an athleticism perspective I think he needs to be one of the guys that goes and leads from the front with the press um, and then again using his pace to try and get something going moving forward so you know those are the two things that I think we've got to do and he's ideal to do both of those so if he can step up take that extra responsibility become a more senior member of the squad based on his you know performance and output and and delivering at a level that ultimately for a young player who is is signed up Premier League club should do then it's going to be good for him and it's going to be good for us. Yeah, I think it's interesting the new age of of Northern Ireland players coming through something we didn't really have to consider even when Michael O'Neill took over what we thought was a dreadful squad was actually like four or five Premier League players and like what we do for that right now is that this idea of players coming in like Bradley who's training every day with Liverpool obviously not this season but has done pre-seasons and stuff with Liverpool Shea Charles training every day with Man City's first team gets half an hour at the end of the season I think it went Brentford you know it's almost now that we can't even turn our nose up at players, not just players playing the Premier League, players training with Premier League players, especially at that sort of elite level. So yeah, that's sort of an interesting conversation where I think we're going to have a lot more of on these, on these podcasts that we've, we've never really had previously. And I guess that just, I don't want to use the word weak about the squad inexperienced to be a little bit more generous, but yeah, you look at it and it, it really is 
um, an uphill battle. I'm going to ask you both to, to just name me your your full 11s. Obviously, we've, we've talked about some positions. So, Ben, crack on. What, what formation are you playing? Does anyone think he's not going to go 3-5-2 or... I think I think he will. Um, the only reason he doesn't is because of la- lack of options. But I think I think he still does, particularly for this game, go three five two. Um, keeper picks himself, you know, Peacock Farrell. Um, I'm. I mean, am I going with what I think he will go or what I want? Um, oh, I don't know. Pick me on the left. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll go. Well, I'll go with my eleven. Right. So, okay. um, Connor Bradley's at, at right wing back. Um, with Johnny Evans, Craig Cathcart, and Trey Hume in centre. Jamal Lewis is basically the only one can play at left left side. So, yeah. so does. Um, I've Paddy McNair in the midfield with um, Shea Charles and Ali McCann. Um, which is which I think is important. And then I'm going for the same front two that uh, that you wanted, which is uh, Dion and Shane. Dave, what changes are you making to that? You're on mute. What do I think he does? Peacock Farrell, obviously. Bradley, Evans, Cathcart, Brown, probably. Lewis, probably. I can see a McNair, Savile, Thompson, midfield three. That sounds like what he might do. Two and a one. It's the experience. It's 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 the it's the height. Um, yeah, and then yeah. Does he start Lavery? How much football has he played? Is he fit? He's he played twenty minutes the last game of the season. I think he was out for about three months before that. Right to know them. Um, I think he has to play him. I think he has to say to him, "Go out and give me run." You know, literally give me 55 minutes, give you everything first half, get a bit of a break, give me 10, whatever's last in the tank, and then you do white. Yeah, probably. Without knowing what without knowing what level he's at. And you know, obviously the decisions will be made based on the, the guys will know with all of the tech and kit that they have these days, what sort of level he's at. But yeah, if Lavery can do 60 minutes, it's Lavery and Charles. If you're going to get half an hour to Lavery and try and keep him safe for Kazakhstan, where you really, really need to go get three points, um, then you maybe start white and you see where we are after 60, see if we have to break glass, maybe try and get 20, 30 minutes in his legs um, to keep him ticking over for the next game. So, yeah, either or of those, depending on where Lavery's at. Um, but that, I, think that's, yeah, I think that's probably the most likely, likely 11 I see right now. Yeah, I think I think Lavery Lavery Charles is definitely the the exciting, um, if you could call it that, the most exciting option of the front two that we can pick. But I think we're probably a bit naive if if we if we think that well, you've both mentioned that that White could play, and I think there's a good chance White plays from the start in this one. He's played quite a lot in the two up front. Um, doesn't really do the numbers at at club level. That's I guess why it's not the most exciting pick. But at international level, he's got three or four goals actually on the sly. So, you know. Again, he's one of those players. He's 27 now. He's not a young kid. He is a senior member of that squad. Um, whereas Lavery, in comparison to you know, caps-wise, Lavery definitely doesn't have anywhere near the experience that, that Gavin White has. So, yeah, and obviously Dion Charles as well is even even less than Lavery. So that is something that will will definitely come into consideration, yeah. Um, 
if any man can can uh, can drum up a game plan to to go to Denmark and take a point, it is it is Michael O'Neill. I feel like he thrives off these sort of situations. And even in the past, you think going to the Netherlands with five or six first team players out and we hold them for eighty minutes and um, you know almost almost actually win that game. I think it's the last five minutes we lose it in. So you know you never know. It, it will all tune in. It will be exciting. Um, other game in the group, just uh, quick before we finish, Dave, Finland play Slovenia. And I'm not sure any results are particularly good result, or we know whether it's a good result at this point, two games in, but I just quite like Slovenia to be stopped in their tracks. So I think anything other than a Slovenia win would probably be the the best, worst scenario there. Yeah, that would work. You that don't want Slovenia nine one. points. What a position to be in. Yeah, you know, that's that's what that's probably close to half the points you'll need to qualify. Based on the way this group's going, where people just like to be taking points off everybody else. Yeah. So yeah, um probably a draw. I I don't know. Finland, I think, are brutal. Just, I, I, yeah, you know, I've, if they can get a win, that might be the last win they get in the entire group. I feel that way about them. There's no way they should have beaten us. Um, on paper, there's no way they should have beaten us. Um, so, no, I, I think, yeah, don't really want to really even be on seven points. That puts that put them in, in great shape. So, yeah, just give me a feeling when I'll take that. They they do play San Marino and Kazakhstan in the first two, Ben. I, I, I suppose if, if, if it ends a draw, then you're kind of looking at it as Slovenia then goes to Denmark, don't they? So you'd expect Denmark to win that. So they're on seven points, even if Finland, well, Finland will be playing San Marino, so Finland will get the seven points. And then you'd expect us, Touchwood, to be on at least six by the end of this. So I suppose mathematically, even if, Finland and Slovenia are on seven and we're on six going into the September break. It's not it's not out of the equation that we can we can get points there. So yeah, I think as long as Slovenia don't get on to nine points on in, in, in this um in this international break, I think the, the group will be set up mathematically, even if we we think we've no chance of getting getting points away from home against those sides. Yeah, you feel like if they get the nine points, it's 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 that thing about momentum. It's it's almost it's how we started. Um, you know when we beat Belarus and forget who it was, and that uh, we we won the first four. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously we got onto that momentum, and then we went to Holland and almost almost got something. Um, towards the end of it, and we're you know we, it, it gives it gives them that incentive that every game though they've got a chance where they they've taken the pressure off themselves right from the get go. So I think I think um. Either them losing or, or or a draw. I don't I don't think it draws the end of the world, uh, particularly given that we've we've already lost to Finland um, and and haven't got them to play at home. At least at least with uh, Slovenia, we've got them to play, um, you know, at home and away. So it, it's in our hands to be able to do something against them. Whereas with Finland, we've got to go away to them again. So um, probably a draw is what I'd be going for there. Okay, let's start to wrap it up. Confidence level that we can nick a point, Ben. Percentage, give me a percentage confidence that we can nick a point. 25. 25%. That's, I think that's probably more than mine, Dave. Yeah, I'd say 20%. 20%. 
twenty percent confidence that we can nick a draw. I think honestly, I think I'm in the tens. I think I'm in the tens for this one. Sorry to be pessimistic. Yeah, so you think we'll, if we play this game ten times, you think we'll only get a draw once and lose the other nine? That's once harsh. or twice, yeah. Once or twice, honestly. I think the golf's bigger than we think. Well, twice makes it 20%. Then, I know, it? but I said once or twice. So 15%? <laughs> yeah, we'll go 15. <laughs> okay. Oh, last time we played you sure Denmark. you're a math teacher? <laughs> last time we played Denmark, your 2008 qualifiers, Copenhagen, what was the score, Dave? 2008? Qualifiers, so it would have been around 06 or 07, wouldn't it? What's the score? I was there, so... You were there? We'll give this one to Dave then. Oh, God, I know. 2-0 to Denmark? No, we draw. Draw 0-0, I believe. Yep. Yeah, draw 0-0. I don't remember that at all. What about the home game? Nope. No takers? Is that me? Go on. I think think we beat them 2-1. We do beat them 2-1. They go one up and Healy scores a double. Yeah. So we, we draw with both the Scandinavian nations, don't we? We draw Sweden away, and then we get a we beat them 2-1 as well. Um, yeah, four points from Denmark. Goodness me, would we take that going into this one. Thank you very much to Dave. Thank you very much to Ben. I've been Andy Bell. This has been your preview for the Denmark game. Hopefully a couple more podcasts out before it. No promises, but we're working on a few things. But we'll definitely see you after the, the Denmark game to react to the drab 2-0 defeat and try and G yourselves up to preview Kazakhstan. And if that can't get you excited for an international break in the middle of June, I don't know what can. Thank you very much for listening. And see you on Friday, hoping for a miracle. Bye-bye.